Thank you so much. Oops, you just started, right? Okay. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Latinos in Clinical Research. Ashley Madigal, uh, I am an RSM2 from a global CRO, uh, one of the co-founders for Latinos in Clinical Research. Uh, Monica, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself for anybody that's new. Yeah, hello, my name is Monica Cuitiva. I'm one of the, clinical, the Latinos in Clinical Research co-founders, as well as the uh, CRC Academy, and I am also a site manager, site That's director. Right. <laughs> and we got Dr. Al Jazeera, one of, little known fact, Dr. Al Jazeera is one of the, our co-founders for Latinos in Clinical Research. We're going to do, uh, we're going to open up his clinic in East LA, maybe in the next month or so, with an official LICR get-together. Uh, and so how's it going, Dr. Al? Welcome to your first Latinos in Clinical Research. Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dr. How are Al you guys? How are you, Monica? How are you? World-renowned okay. oncologist, hematologist, clinical researcher, community-based oncologist, which is rare. You don't see that anymore. And in an area, well, he has many sites, but in one in particular is like 99% Latino. Uh, so Dr. Al, we're very lucky to have you on today. We're going to be talking about Thank the vaccines, you, all three of the vaccines. And uh, Ashley and Monica found some really good articles. And so we're using that as a starting point for the conversation. But we're definitely going to refer to you many times here because you're, as far as I know, the Don't only physician me. that's on. <laughs> you're the only physician that's on. This is not medical advice, though, guys. Not medical <laughs> advice. Nobody got advices. And when I start talking about stocks, it's not financial advice. <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you so much for being here everybody we're super excited to have this today it's uh one of the it's the second i think second or third series for the COVID 19 um so first off before we get started if you are new or if you have not already subscribed please go to our website and monica if you can put it in the chat please just so that people can have it um uh, through there, you will get notices from Dan, uh, no spam, of course, just as a notice uh, in advance when these meetings will be happening. And also, you know, now we have this new uh, thing that we have where we're having job postings, right, Dan? So, uh, and he just posted some new job openings. Please let everybody know. Uh, you will get notified, I, I believe, via email as there's new jobs coming in. So just a good reference for you to have. Yeah, um, and if you're a job, if you're an employer, you have, it's very easy. You just fill out a form. And you type in exactly the description and who people need to email. And then uh, you won't be notified by email. You have to check. See, we got to have people keep coming back. But you want to come back, guys. It's articles on there. It's videos. It's podcasts. Who wouldn't want to come back? So if you're looking for a job, you don't know. Maybe I'm going to post three tomorrow. So you might have to come tomorrow or maybe the day after. So, um, yeah, we, we can't send emails every time. Otherwise, your, your inbox would be getting slammed with LICR and then you'd unsubscribe so we can't have that all right so all right so she will start um we have two topics that we wanted to bring to the table today that are very interesting first one is the main difference in between the Pfizer Moderna vaccine uh with uh, um Johnson and Johnson vaccine and then also the uh, uh, the and also what happened with AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. So uh, I'm gonna start by mentioning what happened. Uh, I mean the difference in between the Pfizer and Moderna. 
And and the main difference, and obviously we're gonna have sorry, Monica, to... real quick, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Um, if everybody can please put their phone on mute just so that we can be able to hear the speaker in the meantime. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay, go ahead, Monica. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so the, the main difference, and, and then I'm gonna uh, let Dr. Al speak about that a little bit more. <laughs> I put you in the spot as usual. <laughs> so the main difference is that Pfizer and Moderna are messenger RNA vaccines. And then the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has um, a technology that was used in um, in the um, um, in the Ebola vaccine, which is the um, is the is a virus that has been altered. So this is called adenovirus vaccine. And uh, what happened with this vaccine is that it can make you sick or it can replicate. And, and it's, a, it's a special genetic code that spikes the protein. So that's why it gets, uh, is, is, um, is highly uh, effective. It's actually 85% effective. And, and then, uh, so because it's only, this one is only one dose and then the other ones are two dose. Uh, the, uh, and then also the storage is different because the other ones need to be stored in a, in a I believe, 70 and up, uh, um, sorry, 70, okay. minus 70, okay. minus 70. And, uh, and then the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a, is, a different, is a different way to storage. And obviously it's only one vaccine. And then because it's only one vaccine, the amount of uh, side effects and the severity of this is lower than the other ones. So um, I don't know what Dr. Dr. Al thinks about these three vaccines. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, we would love to hear your uh, medical uh, background about this. We know that like, uh, from the thing we see that uh, the most effective one now, effective one medication uh, vaccine is the Moderna and the Pfizer, and they are like the two vaccine 14 days apart. Johnson and Johnson is not active as much as active as, uh, but can provide uh, enough uh, protection for the patient. And uh, uh, in my opinion, even Chris will uh, argue with me, everybody should have uh, a vaccine. Okay, and why? Because the complication of vaccination is going to be much less than you getting the virus and get infected by the virus, especially for the one who's immunocompromised or the one who have medical problems that need protection. For young uh, teenagers, for uh, uh, young 20s, 30s uh, population, I think that they can get the, uh, the infection and maybe their symptoms would be much less than uh, anyone who's immunocompromised or older in age. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that, I mean, that's, that's obviously wonderful to know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at least we have three options now. So yeah. before we only had pretty much one option and now we have three. The, 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 four, the number four vaccine that is out there, but now it's been removed in many countries in uh, Europe, is the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. 
And the reason why it's been removed is because many, many of the uh, people that got vaccinated were experiencing um, blood clots mm-hmm. and, and, uh, um, and uh, actually some of these patients died before, before b- because of this vaccination. I don't know if Dr. Al have uh, heard anything about it or have read anything about the AstraZeneca uh, problem. Mainly the, the same thing that's published. I didn't see anything in, uh, yet out there in the, uh, in the journals about the vaccine, except what's published. It's causing a lot of clots. And the complication of the clotting itself, if the blood clots happen in the lower extremity or in the lung, uh, lower extremity can move to the lung, and that will be very critical and can cause death, as you, you mentioned, uh, Monica. Uh, I think that's what the, re- the main reason to remove it from the market is like uh, the the clotting, the mechanism of clotting and why this vaccine causing clotting and the other vaccine is not causing clotting. I'm not, uh, I didn't see any explanation for it yet. Okay, so, and we know uh, we know that AstraZeneca mechanism of action is completely different from the other uh, vaccines. Yeah, that was one of the questions I had was to see if there was any similarities in that and if they should consider also uh, reviewing that, but if there's the mechanisms not the same, then in that situation, then it makes sense. Yeah, it is a different mechanism for, for I think the AstraZeneca is a combination of uh, two, uh, two proteins together, different from the mRNA that happened in Pfizer and Moderna. Awesome. And would you would you say, Dr. Alf, uh, I guess because from your area where you're at, um, and I'm assuming you have a lot of like Latino community that go go see you that are subjects and things like that. Um, would you say that they're very they're being very receptive to the vaccines? And if so, have you noticed which ones they're preferring or what's the most? Common? Most probably, if all my patients who ask me to get it uh, to get the vaccine, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and and do it. It's, for you because your immunocompromise is better for you than waiting until to get the infection and then uh, you're gonna have the long-term complication of the infection itself. The fibrosis of the lung and sometimes cardiac uh, condition or neurological condition from the infection itself. A certain patient, uh, the one who's getting Rituxan, which is an uh, anti-CD20 uh, medication, we, I, the patient, they, they get it, usually they do not respond to the vaccine as the other patients. So I, I have to check their white blood cell to see if they have enough white blood cell to produce immunoglobulin to fight the infection or not. But most of the other patients, like a breast cancer getting chemotherapy, yes, I, I recommend it for them to get it. We got a question from CRA Academy student, Angel Moses, who's doing a very good job. Angel, thank you for uh, all your work in the internship. Uh, Dr. Al, a question for Dr. Al. Do you know anything about the Novavax vaccine uh, that's supposed to come out in the spring? Nope. I think we have some information that I might be able to share. Um, Dan, could you please uh, give me the chance to share? Oh, yeah, okay. Let's make you... Because we have the, the, like, yeah, for each vaccine, so maybe we can analyze that. Or actually, Dr. Al can analyze that for us. (laughs) (laughs) Novavax is interesting. Um, I mean, they've they've obviously been doing vaccines for a long time. They had, 
I think we covered Novavax on the clinical research circle, which is our stock uh, channel. But Monica sharing her screen. Let me see. Oh, Monica, I'm very impressed. What is this? Here it is. Here wow. It is. <laughs> All the slides and drawing. And, oh, my gosh, Monica. The crowd loves it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. This is the Novavax doctor. Maybe you can give us some uh, insight about this. Oh, that's pretty interesting. 39% efficiency. Oh. So it's two doses. And this is two injection or one? Two doses, two doses. yeah. Two injections. 21 days yes. apart. Wow. Mm -hmm. No, no particles are... I'm curious, do you guys think that, I mean, me personally, I actually feel like, um, I think if, if, the idea or the goal is to get everybody vaccinated or at least a massive portion of everybody to get vaccinated. I mean, I personally feel that, you know, two doses, not that it's a lot, but I just feel like, you know, if you're going to want people to come back or if you're going to, you know, especially if they have a bad response the first time, you know, what are the chances of them going and getting the second one? I feel, you know, in a vaccine that can keep it at one dose, it's probably got a higher chance of getting more people vaccinated me personally but i think the st uh, uh, the studies showed that the one vaccine will give you about 50 to uh, 55 percent protection two vaccine will pump it up to 89 uh, to 1995 and having the vac 1995 especially for the patient or the people, population, they needed they needed this to go back and work and be more efficient. If you're gonna give them 50-50 chance of coming, going back to work so that your economy not gonna be as reliable as having the protection of 98%, uh, 95%, 98% uh, protection. I think that's the idea of the two vaccine. And I know, I, um, and I guess correct, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard on this, but um, is it true, I think that some vaccines, if not all of them, you know, they're not just, you know, one and done or two and done. It's something you're gonna have to go back consecutively to redose, even after you've done, say the two doses and finish. You, uh, you, uh, you need to look at it as uh, the flu. Mm -hmm. Eventually the COVID gonna be like the flu. And yeah. till now, we every year we do vaccine for the flu, mm -hmm. and this is how it's gonna be. Okay, and maybe there's gonna be another variant of the every five years or six years, so they have to change the vaccine. But most probably gonna end up as the flu, having to be vaccinated to protect yourself from the flu and the COVID in the same time. Okay. Doctor, I have a question. So this is probably very. Uh, Nice question, but for example, if somebody gets vaccinated, uh, they they get they choose to have uh, to use the the Pfizer or Moderna or then or this one Novavax, and then uh, they have the first dose, but then they have body effects and don't want to come back for the second dose. What will be uh, do they still have some sort of cover? They, they will have or? some, uh, yeah, but they will not, not have it as, as the two doses, okay? They'll have like about 50% uh, uh, protection, but it's not as the two doses. So it depends. If you, 
uh, if you get it like as normally you're gonna get like about 60 to 70 percent uh antibodies in your oh, body okay but but okay. The, the most important thing is the long acting one which is the effect on the t cell that's why now when you you find a, a vaccine or studying a vaccine they're talking about the direct uh immunization and the late one or the dominant one in the t cell how this vaccine is stored okay and then, thank you. And then the next question is, for example, let's say, uh, obviously we will ha we have this all these options of vaccine. Let's say we have these four options. And then, uh, for example, you have different patients with different conditions. And, and obviously each of these um, uh, uh, patients will have different effects with different vaccines. Would you recommend uh, a different vaccine with uh, for each of these patients, depending on their condition or depending on the uh, maybe uh, background, uh, doctor? Between Pfizer and Moderna, no, there's no difference. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, it's all, all the same. And I think Johnson will apply the same thing. Get whatever you can get. <laughs> oh, That's okay. the bottom line. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Get okay. protected. Okay. I, I don't think it, 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 it is it worth it to get the infection and have the complication of it. And uh, just wait. <laughs> I don't believe in this. So we have a, we have a, a member here that's saying, um, um, so for instance, uh, I think this is for the Novavax, right? It's kind of similar to the mRNA vaccine. Uh, mRNA vaccine, the body identifies the proteins. Uh, for me, it's been difficult to ex to be explaining to people that immune response to a vaccine is different than getting sick from the vaccine. I think there are a lot of people who still think you can catch COVID from the vaccine. No, this is not a virus. This is the RNA of the virus that's. Uh, that's attached to some kind of uh, receptor that can make the immune response similar to the virus, but it's not a virus. You do not get, you don't get infected with the virus when you get the vaccine. It will protect you from getting infected in the virus in the future, the near future and the long-term future. So, and then I guess on that topic, would you state for like, for instance, somebody that has already, who, who had gotten COVID and who has the antibodies and even took the test, because I know some people who, who had COVID, some of them didn't necessarily have reappearing antibodies. So for somebody that does have antibodies, would you say it was still uh, a good thing for them to get the vaccine or that they would be okay not to get it? Usually in other condition, if somebody get the virus and uh, get infected, they, uh, they ask him to wait like about uh, eight to 12 weeks before he get the other, uh, the, the actual vaccine. Okay. And patient like this who get the virus and like this, I recommend for him uh, Johnson and Johnson because this is going to be as a booster for him. He already have the antibody. He have already the 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 long term. It's just a booster for him. A boost okay. injection with Johnson and Johnson would be very good. That's what I think. Awesome. Um, and so in your area, doctor, have you noticed if um, if most of patients or if you've heard, because I know, and maybe you can also chime in to Dan and, and Monica in California. Um, 
have have there been actual you know i guess organizations that are going out there trying to give vaccines to to the more rural areas and communities and then and, and my hospital my hospital is like now designated as a, a vaccine center so like i think three days or four days a week they, you see like a, a whole long line of cars uh, to drive through vaccination in this hospital. That's good. Because I um, one of the things that I had um, popped up, and I don't know if maybe you can share money or we could just kind of provide it in the chat so people can reference it for later. But this was created, uh, published uh, just recently, March 3rd. It's latest data on COVID-19 vaccinations and race and ethnicity. And uh, as of March 1st, the CDC data showed that race ethnicity was known for just over half, 54%. 54% of people who received at least one dose among this group, nearly two thirds were white, 65%, 9% were Hispanic, seven were black and 5% were Asian, 2% were American Indian and Alaskan native. Um, and I find that, I find that really just, I find that interesting, you know, given, given how much exposure um, that COVID has had just in general in the past year, um, you would think that, you know, even yes, you know, given the fact that, you know, there are some you know, disparities in that funds and whatever the reason might be that, yes, there would probably be still some difference in how many people would actually receive the vaccine. But I thought that, you know, 9% Hispanic receiving at least the first dose is extremely low and surprising. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't. Um, and we least, have, we have, oh, sorry, Ashley, I was going to say we have uh, Dr. Hazen joined us as well. And Dr. Hazen's been doing her own uh, research, actually, as a sponsor. So maybe Dr. Hazen, uh, Dr. Hazen, we've been talking about the vaccine. Uh, how are you doing, by the way? Thank you you're for coming time. on. You're, you're on mute. You're on mute. You're on mute. We see the hair. We love I know, it. And it's all messy. Great <laughs> hair, day. I'm going for the mad scientist look. Love it. (laughs) We like it. We like it. So what's going on in your end? Like, what do you think about the vaccine? What do you think about treatments? You've been doing the study. I flipped myself. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, I could see like the the office is great. So what, like, tell us about the, we just had Dr. Al Jazeera, who's a world-renowned oncologist in LA that I monitor. And then I also monitor Dr. Hazen. Um, She's in Ventura, Dr. Al. So you guys have probably heard me talking to each other about the I, other. I think I met, uh, but I met you her or I met one of her uh, associate in DIA last year with you and Chris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. DIA we were, we in 2019. I, of we course. Tour, you and I, Dan. Yeah, when you can still go to conferences. That's coming back. <laughs> I hope so. So, Dr. Hazen, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, what do I know, think about the you... vaccine that came out in nine months clinical trials? What do I think about a trial yes. that went from animal study in rapid time and then went from animal studies all the way to phase three in nine months? Is that what you're <laughs> asking me, Dan? Yes. I guess. I think yeah, yeah, I want to hear record it. Record in clinical trial in 25 years. I've never seen this. Have you, Dan? But you're much younger than I. No, I have not. I have never seen this. Yeah, I haven't. Seen now. You know, I like to try to, you know, proud myself that I do good research, right? You've seen me. We've talked, you and I, Dan. 
I'm by the book. I, if a drug is good, it's coming out. If a drug is bad, it's staying out. I don't care if they pay me millions of dollars. I am not going to change my tone on a good drug or a bad drug. Okay. However, the science that is going on and the research and the clinical trial that is going on with vaccination is just beyond. Okay. And it is something that has, I'm sure a lot of my colleagues that are scientists baffled and a lot of people that do clinical research baffled because there are certain things we want to see, right? Safety measures. You know, this is why we do phase one. You know, if you look at the animal studies of one of the vaccine studies, they took six chimpanzee monkeys. They gave them the vaccine in three and the vaccine in placebo. Then they killed the monkeys after a week and they noticed two of the placebo had uh, lung problems and therefore they had lung problems. Oh, well, it must mean that the vaccine is working. Let's go to phase one. And then we go from phase one all the way to phase three. So, you know, I have a problem with that speed research because then that becomes an experiment, right? We don't have a control group. Everybody should be vaccinated. Line up humanity, vaccinate. What happens if they're wrong? Can you tell me? What happens uh, if they're wrong? They will die from the vaccine. What happens? It's no, no, humanity. I'm sorry. They're going to die from the virus. Yeah. Are you really? Okay. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, wait, of course. Wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Are you clinical? Let's talk about are that. you in the clinic? Are you in the I'm clinic? I'm in my clinic. Do Let's you talk see, about the virus. I, do you see a patient in a hospital intubated and hardly <laughs> wait, wait, can wait. breathe? Let's talk about the virus. Uh, do you wait, see them? Let's talk about the virus. Dan, uh, does this doctor know what I do for a living? What if you're wrong? What if it's not the vaccine is the solution? What if it's actually Dr. the microbiome is the solution? Yeah, you right? need to talk to and Dr. Dr. Fauci about it. Microbiome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I don't think yeah, people you know shouldn't get vaccine because the you I think it is proven it is effective, it's reducing the infection and people the economies are back to uh, open. Oh, Why it is open? Let's worry about the the vaccinated. What does your my what is a strong microbiome? What is it? How does a farmer kiss his wife who has COVID-19 and doesn't catch COVID? How does that happen? Because he's a farmer. Oh, because he's a farmer. Uh-huh. Okay, so what's different about him? How his so, immune system. To all the people? He's back. He's all day get cutting, and his immune system is 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 good. But you come here to the city, so wait, wait, wait. you have you people that his living immune on the... system is good. His immune system is good. Where's his immunity? In his gut, in his microbiome. So I think we should pay attention to the microbiome instead of keep on putting band-aids like we keep doing in medicine forever and ever. We should understand what we're doing. Who has done microbiome analysis of this virus? Who has? So 3,042 therapeutic studies out there. I don't know, but there's not the you talk about the proven about the microbiome and effect on the virus. So, so Dr. Solika, you remember me asking, so then your focus then is, is more on the, the gut biome and how it can, yes. can help. So what exactly are you, what approach are you taking with your research? I'm looking at patients before and after treatment to see if the virus disappears. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking at um, 
what is in the microbiome of those who are high risk and had severe disease versus those who didn't have severe disease. So, you know, I'm a little bit, um, I, I could say upset about the way that research is going. I'm a bit upset about, let's just treat everybody the same way. And I just think we forget about individuality and we forget about inner strength and, uh, and certain people that have a certain strength and a certain um, you know, immunity. And we, ha we put everybody in a category and that's something that I just, um, I, I'm not, um, I'm not Very excited about putting about. everybody in the same category. So do, if you remember me asking, um, as, I, cause you're talking about like, you know, people that have probably more sickness and people that are, you know, semi normal or however you would like to put that, but do you also separate based off on ethnicity? Cause we all know that ethnicities also have different backgrounds, eating habits, all that. Do y'all focus on that or it's more of just healthy individual and individual? We focus on everything. We focus on everything. We have been analyzing the microbiome for the last two and a half years. We have 42 clinical trials on the microbiome and disease. We have an idea of what's going on in the microbiome, that why these people are, we're coming out with a signature microbiome that makes some people, um, you know, survive COVID like myself, I've been on the front line. No, I'm not dealing with my patients, uh, Dr. A, that are basically um, dying in the intub intubated because I saved them before they get intubated. So, and I've treated hundreds, probably a thousand patients. I have the three clinical trials right now at the FDA level, one on prophylaxis one and two on treatment. And guess what? We've not lost anybody. So I think if you treat early, you cure the patients and that's where we should be on the focus. And we should also focus on the fact that some people are just stronger microbiome than others and will survive no matter what you do. I have a patient that, you know, kissed her boyfriend and has a super strong microbiome and she never got it. And the boyfriend was COVID positive. Same thing with the farmer and his wife. I've got a guy who's a gastroenterologist in Alabama went to a party with 30 people where everybody was COVID. His wife was positive for COVID. He slept with his wife, lived with her. For three months, we followed this guy. We analyzed his microbiome. He never caught COVID. So those are the people we need to learn from. Those are the cases we need to understand. And that's where the research needs to be, is focusing on why are some surviving and why are some not surviving? And we shouldn't be focusing on the 0.1% the that's dying but on the 99.9% .9 that are surviving the virus. So we actually get a good question. And this is good, you know, this is a good conversation to have both passionate about uh, COVID research. We got a good question from Heidi. Wouldn't assessing everyone's microbiome be much more difficult than distributing vaccines? Uh, I'm working, I'm wondering how that would work at a mass scale. So would it basically isn't vaccinating more cost effective and just effective period uh, than analyzing the microbiome. I know if vaccination, if vaccination is safe long-term, long-term, and if vaccination is efficacious, but as we've seen, 5% of people that got vaccinated get COVID. So is it efficacious? I don't know. And again, I'm not anti-vaccine. I think you should vaccinate, especially the population that's like high risk and the population that feels like they want to. However, there is a population that is healthy and, and that 
I'm not sure you should vaccinate, especially the children. So I have a big problem with the children's studies right now because the children, as we've seen, have not been affected so much. And what are we doing to that generation? What are we doing to the children of that generation? Right? We don't know. Mm -hmm. That's a big gamble. Humanity's gamble. Anyways, I'm not here to like get all uptight and and uh, and be passionate. No, this I am is great. No, this is awesome. This is awesome. I like I like both sides of the spectrum. I think it's important because, like you said, you're you're wanting to focus on the healthy, and then Dr. Al's focusing on the the one or however. The at risk, maybe maybe the at risk. risk. Yeah, and so I definitely see, I see both sides, right? And and I I definitely fall in line with both of you on, on the different perspective. I do like though, I've been following you for a while. I had no idea this was the doctor you were talking about, Dan. Um, I've been following you oh, for yeah. a while. I actually love research on uh, gut microbiome. I actually believe in it very much. So I'm really excited to- I was well, actually I in Dr. Hazen's study. I was I in Dr. Hazen's study when I got COVID and uh, she put me on uh, compassionate use what was it? Azithromycin Z-Pack and hydroxychloroquine with the vitamin C, D, and zinc. And I'm, I kid you not, guys. I mean, I know I'm young and relatively healthy. Relatively young now. I got grays in my beard. So I don't know if you could say young anymore. But I kid you not, I took those meds. I felt better within an hour. I remember texting you, Dr. Hazen. Like, oh, yes, my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, I still owe you a, a stool sample, by the way. I still owe you that. And we got to do another interview, but I yeah, think there's yeah, a place for both. This actually brings up uh, like a really good, like macro philosophical point. Like there's room in research. The, this industry is huge guys. There's plenty of room to do treatment studies, to do prevention studies and to do vaccine studies, long-term safety, efficacy, all of that can live and should live under our roof. And that's that bodes well for everybody in this industry. And that bodes well for everybody who's trying to get into the industry and for the sites as well. I know two sites that are in here right now. They can't talk, but they're working on some of these vaccine studies right now. They wish they're bursting at the seams. They want to share, but they can't. They, they're, they're sworn to secrecy, so they can't do that. But there's a lot of researchers working on these things. And I think there, there exists a place <clears throat> for microbiome research. There exists a place for prevention, for treatment. What do you think going forward? Because COVID's never going away, Dr. Al, like you said. This is not going away anytime soon. It's going to come back every year, every five years. Uh we need both, right? Treatments, vaccines. We're going to keep needing to change the vaccines. Like, what do you guys think? Uh, I'm curious to hear both of your perspective on this. Because this is a long-term problem. This is not going away in 2021. I think you're right. I think, but we need, you know, for those who are doing research on the front line of vaccines and therapeutics, we need ethical research where people are watching meticulously all the side effects and documenting and reporting to the FDA. That's really why we do research, right, Dan? So at the end of the day, we cannot put anything under the carpet and we have to have full transparency on everything. Yep. And, you know, not be scared of the virus. You know, I, I didn't step into these protocols by being scared of stools or COVID-19. I didn't think I was going to find stools, you know, COVID-19 in the stools, but I did find it in 100% of the samples we tested. And, you know, I, I wasn't scared. 
I said, you know what? I, I'm trusting that if I do things the right way, you know, in goodness to help humanity, then goodness is going to come out of it. And I'm going to find the answers. And I hope that every scientist and every doctor that is out there is doing the right thing to, for humanity and doing the right thing for their kids and their grandchildren. Because at the end of the day, if we are making a mistake with the children and vaccinated, vaccinating the children, we're affecting the next generation. And that's what I worry about. Okay, I worry about a research that is done too fast to, to, to move fast because we're all scared of this virus. And this virus kills people that have high comorbidities that are not being treated early. Let's be honest. You've seen it, Dan. You've, you've monitored my charts. These people that I've treated are like older with comorbidities and they survive. We're talking about heart disease, renal failure, CHF, 88 years old that survived from a triple therapy. That says a lot. We need to focus on the treatment and the prevention and the prevention in the population that is at risk. Because I certainly do not want to risk the generations and my kids' generations and their kids for the elderly population. I'm sorry. You know, at the end of the day, we have to protect humanity. We have to protect our kids and their kids. Yeah. And somebody said, and I agree, I mean, it's not treatment versus prevention. They're, they're complementary. They're and complimentary. Exactly right. And that's and why they recommend for you like to be at distance, wear a mask and, you know, just like to, this is the preventive that they know about it now. Using whatever you want to use to prevent it, it's not proven, but it's there. You can use it if you want to. But the only thing we know that can protect you against the, against the virus is social distancing and wearing a mask and washing your hands. That's the, the bottom line. Okay. Unless you know your microbiome and you've tested your stools and you don't have COVID in your stools like me. And we know. How do we know? This is yeah. actually a good question. How do we know? Because somebody, our brand ambassador, not somebody, Christine Morrow, our brand ambassador, what are the minority volunteer percentages for microbiome research? Are they different from the vaccine? So is, are you seeing anything different as far as minority participation in your microbiome research versus the industry at large? What are you seeing, Dr. Hazen? Uh, no, I mean, minorities, you know, we, we see a whole diversity of patients. Um, you know, we're not seeing, uh, we're seeing differences definitely in the minorities. Um, but, you know, that's, that's expected, I think, but not, we're, we're seeing compliance from both, you know, from, from all uh, races. So, you know, we're seeing a good diversity. Well, I think after this video, everybody's going to send you their stool sample. Yeah. Bring Be ready, it on. Be Bring ready it by on. your mailbox yes. with the uh, hazmat yes. and everything. Bring every it on. Little, little bow Bring and everything. Yeah. Dan, uh, presentation of COVID-19 in other countries, okay, in Far East and uh, Mid East, all of this, use, uh, now they're finding out it is by diarrhea. It's not cough and like this. It's diarrhea and fever. And then they go and they diagnose them with uh, COVID. So the effect of the, vac va the virus and the GI is well known and well studied in, uh, in most of the other part of the world. Here, mainly the presentation is this type of virus. It's... Uh, pulmonary more than GI, but you still have GI symptoms with it. Any virus can be shed by stool, most of the viruses. 
everything ends up in the colon, right? So all the bugs end up in the colon. So exactly. and yeah. ACE2 receptors are in the bowels. And of course, the virus is going to sit in the bowels. But remember, the virus is way smaller than a bacteria. And if your colon is full of bacteria that are sitting and residing and occupying space in your colon, the virus is not going to find room to lodge in the bowels. Only if your gut is out of balance and dysbiotic will the virus come in and infiltrate and sit and replicate and create havoc on the rest of your microbiome, which is essentially your immunity. Well, so, but right. in but even you, Dr. Hazen, I mean, even you, I mean, you know, obviously the safety and the long-term efficacy of the, vi of the vaccine, nobody's questioning. Okay. Like we know for, for a fact it's, it's long-term safety and, and efficacious, but you've got to admit, Aren't you glad the vaccine is being rolled out or are you saying yeah, that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a population that absolutely requires it. That mm -hmm. is, you know, it's definitely done a lot for the elderly folks that they feel that they're protected. So I think if anything, just to calm down the anxiety of everyone to have that shot, probably calm down everyone. Reopen, um, reopen things reopening back up. Reopening the society, feeling comfortable. You know, it's like, you know, wearing that seatbelt and going to drive and knowing that, hey, I've got my seatbelt on. So if I get into a car accident, I'm not going to die. Right. So 100%. But can we criticize and we have to criticize as scientists. That's what we do. Can we criticize the fact that it was a high speed vaccination protocol? Can we criticize the fact that it's going high speed into the kids? Should we be yeah. giving it to the kids? You know, these are all questions that I think scientists need to kind of say, mm, I don't know. I mean, those are, if we don't question science, we're just a bunch of robots, right? I think there is an open clinical trials now about three or four for kids in different age. And I, uh, last time the CDC recommendation is for kids below 12 because their immune system is not as intact as the one above 12 and adults, they can get it. But the one below 12, there is a lot of clinical trial that's been running now to see their effect. And, and if they get a response as uh, uh, children above 12 or the adult for the vaccine. Well, the problem is once you vaccinate the kids, you don't really know what the long-term effect of this vaccine is. Hopefully it's a short effect and it protects them and that's the end of that and protects everyone, hopefully. But, you know, I know they're starting to do the trials. I saw the phase two and three running from Moderna for six months to 12 years old uh, on kids. Let's see, let's see the data, right? That's what it's all about. It's about seeing the data short-term and long-term and efficacy and safety. That's the most important. And I just hope that everybody that's doing those trials on the front line are paying attention and asking the questions and, and seeing if there's effects and not just saying, oh, well, you know, coincidental or not, uh, it's not an adverse event that's uh, clinically significant because I think every adverse event is clinically significant in this. We have to pay attention. Yeah, I actually want to thank you so much for, for bringing that up because, uh, and I don't mind saying it here, but I feel like right now the kind of environment that I think the whole world is in, more specifically the U.S., we're kind of in this cancel culture, right? And in the situation of research, 
there shouldn't be any type of uh, bias to speak on one side. Research is about looking at the data, as you said, understanding the, the pros and the cons, regardless of what people are wanting, even though right now it's more about, I think, per, you know, listening to what people are wanting, but I think we need to find a good line in between. And in this situation, I think that both of you all bring up two very good points and you, you both are very good representation as to why we need to have both sides talking openly and fully, not just focusing on one scientist that the US feels is right. We need to see multiple scientists all over the world showing representation from all over the world, talking about what they're seeing, how they feel about it, you know, something like that, you know, because to be quite honest, you're the first um, researcher uh, that I have seen actually openly speak this open and, and I will say passionately as well about your opposing opinion. And I, I'm glad to hear it. I like hearing both sides. And um, I think that everybody on here, I, for the reason that we have 29 people viewing and it's almost the end of the hour and they're still viewing, that shows a lot about the conversation, right? We still got networking we, to do, guys. Yes, yeah, still got networking. We're both Dr. Al, well, Dr. Hazen, yeah, and I monitor exactly. both Dr. Al and Dr. Hazen, not only what you said, Ashley, but they're two of, you know, the FDA looks at PI oversight. These are two, I monitor both their sites equally. These are two of the best PI oversight I've ever seen anywhere i mean they're very involved in their research they know every little thing that's going on and so i think uh it makes even better piece of content to have them exactly. both on at the same time yeah, they i both think it's important and by the way dr al no offense you know i didn't mean to be heated with you you're an excellent physician keep doing what you're doing um you know i just i like to ask questions and i like to challenge because we have to challenge we have to challenge the research it's important. You're invited. You're invited, Dr. Hazen, to East LA when we open Dr. Al's East LA Huntington <laughs> Park site. But uh, so both of you guys, uh, Dr. Hazen, I posted on Latinos in Clinical Research. We have Good. jobs, right? So coordinators, both are always looking to hire coordinators. Uh, so just go Good. to Latinos. Send them my way. We need them. Yeah, go there. And then uh, anything else, Dr. Al or Dr. Hazen, that you'd like to oh. say before we open it up? Or Ashley or who or Monica or Chris? Chris? Chris is hiding. Where's we have one Chris? question from Marjorie. She well, says, what can okay. you recommend to strengthen our gut? Culturally, we eat different types of foods, which is very good. Very good question. I, I agree. What, what would you recommend to strengthen your gut? Vitamin D. That's your priority. Make sure your vitamin D level is perfect. Uh, vitamin C. We okay. all know about vitamin C. And then zinc. Zinc is a, is a nutrient that blocks COVID from entering in the cell, extremely essential. So in the nutrition world, that's what I recommend. I also recommend eat the food that you're comfortable with and that has worked for you. Keep yourself in a, you know, stress-free, as much stress-free as possible, because obviously stress, anxiety kills your good bacteria. So that's what I recommend on a so, you know, holistic approach. I have a question about that because after I spoke to you when I had COVID, um, yeah. you strongly recommended yogurt, probiotics. Oh, yes. So I've yes. been eating like literally two yogurts every day. Is <laughs> that important as well? That's important. So yogurt, Activa yogurt, kefir, uh, manuka honey, chicken broth, uh, cumin, um, you know, all those spices. <laughs> yogurt or vaccine? All yogurt or vaccine for Chris? Well, listen. we'll stick with the yogurt for now. Well, listen, at the end of the day, you know, as much as I would love to see everybody, you know, 
get along and 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 one part etc at the end of the day everybody's different and everybody has different visions and different opinions and different ways of looking at medicines or vaccines etc and we have to work with everybody right because it's not that simple we're all individuals and we all have different races and that's what the beauty of humanity is we're all different yeah it's not binary that's, for that's sure that's definitely not binary and, the, Before everybody exactly leaves, I, I just want to invite everyone to the Malibu Microbiome Meeting, Zoom meeting. It's at uh, www.malibumicrobiomeeting.com. Oh, yeah. Let me put it in the and, chat. Let me put it in the, the chat. And the code is MMM21. I will be discussing how, uh, what I found so far from COVID, the importance of microbiome, what is a good microbiome. And basically all my partners, all my doctors are going to be speaking about fecal transplant and Parkinson's fecal transplant and autism, fecal transplant, chronic UTI, the risk of fecal transplant, the benefits of fecal transplant, the microbiome, what do we know so far? And essentially finding COVID in the stools, my scientist is going to be discussing how we got to see whole genome sequencing in the stools. Very important topic. Thank you for sharing that. Awesome. I put the you. link in the chat. The links will be underneath the video description Perfect. as well. And I think I think this conversation is great to have it also because we have 7 billion of people out there that wants to hear the, both of the right. uh, sides of the, 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 the research, right? And, and, and obviously everybody has different point of view. This is like art. We can all be watching the same and everybody has different point of view. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Alan. Thank you, Dr. Thank Hayes, you, guys. For, uh, for, for My pleasure. Your, Thank your... you, guys. I'm going to go because I have a bunch of patients waiting for me. Okay. It was a pleasure. And uh, speak Thank next so time. Thank you, Dr. Hazen. Always nice seeing you. Okay. Same here. Bye. Awesome. awesome. Now we open it up for Mixer. You guys want to do some mixing? Eileen Schneider, I, I need the writer. To go then. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, Dr. L. Thank you, Dr. L. Always nice seeing you. Bye. We'll, we'll do the thing in Huntington Park. Eileen Schneider, the writer, I know you're on. I hope you're taking notes, Scribble, scribbling you. down some stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome, you guys. I think one of the best so far. That was great. Very good. Awesome, awesome. awesome. I love both sides. Both sides. Yeah, Very I intense. didn't think either would come on, and they both came on. It was great. <laughs> I think it was great. I think they're basically saying the same thing. We need science. Yeah. We need more research. Uh, it's just Dr. Hazen's very passionate about the microbiome and the research she does. And I actually owe her a stool sample. So it reminds me uh, to send her that because <laughs> geez, I'm like, I'm the worst patient ever guys. Calendar, so calendar. <laughs> I'll stop recording and then we can, we can have a private networking. Uh, so no more public. Here we go. <laughs>